When life is difficult, Samaritans are here. Day or night, 365 days a year. You can call them for free on 116 123. Email them at joe at or visit Whatever you're facing, the Samaritans are here to listen. Welcome to the Beer Podcast. My name's Nick Mins. Uh, on today's podcast, I'm joined by uh, Julia. Uh, Julia um, is in America. She um, runs a successful Instagram uh, page. She's a bookstagrammer and I think a booktuber as well. Um, and she's going to be sharing uh, some stories and some experiences with her mental health um, and also um going to be talking a little bit about her hobbies with reading um, and how that helps her. So we hope you all enjoy. Julia, thanks for joining us today. I say I really do appreciate you taking time out uh, from your very, 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 very busy schedule. <laughs> which is, uh... <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm excited. No, I say it's um I I, I just kind of stumbled across your um your Instagram page really. Um, I'm, I am trying to get back into reading at the moment. Uh, I, I used to do a fair bit a while back, but I've um, I've kind of fall out of it a little bit. So I need to kind of get back into it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so obviously you're, uh, is it a bookstagrammer? Yes. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's what we call ourselves. Is it soon to be a booktuber as well? Or is something about that going on, isn't there? Yeah, so I'm trying to, I'm thinking about attempting YouTube for a little bit because I am a very communicative person and I feel like YouTube will give me a different sort of space and a different sort of audience that I don't have on Instagram. And also Instagram has been having so many issues lately that I think it's smart for me to spread all my content, you know, so I'm not dependent on a single platform. Yeah, yeah. I say the the thing is, if if you're more across multi-platforms, you can reach a lot more people as well, can't you? So, yeah. So a little bit of, um, really, if you just want to kind of tell us about some of your experiences, uh, like with mental health, really. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I've always been the sort of person who sh- uh, is not afraid to share things online. So I'm very open about whatever I'm struggling with. And I've always thought that that was um, beneficial not only to other people but to myself because the thing that I hated the most while being a social media user was the extremely positive accounts you know that toxic positivity that it's always 24 hours a day you get an influencer who everything is perfect they're always happy they're always beautiful and things are always okay so I feel like things have changed a lot the past few years when Instagram started with the whole influence thing that was worse now I feel like everyone is kind of jumping on that same boat that we get to, we just get to open up and talk about, you know, whatever mental health issues we deal with. Um, I go to therapy weekly. I started it last year, but I've, I, I went to therapy as well during high school because I deal with ADHD and anxiety. Um, I am an immigrant, so I live far away from my family. So there's always a homesickness that hits random parts of the day. So I just try to make sure that I'm still functional. And 
for me to be functional is I have to have my mind working properly and taking care of it's the most important thing to me. So I try to use every single tool that is given to me, either therapy, either talking to a friend, either I remember that I shared on Instagram that I watch Disney movies when I'm sad. So I just through therapy, I just learned to recognize the things that I need and the things that make me feel good. And to just accept that I'm going to go through different processes, either, you know, depression or anxiety or, or whatever it is that I'm going through and to learn to use what's given to me by whatever outlet I decide. So books is a big one. That's why I'm a book Instagrammer. I read constantly and that escape is very healthy to me. Of course, you have to be careful with how much you're escaping, but um, yeah, I use all of those tools and it's, it, it's great to be able to share that with other people. No, I see. I mean, one of the things that I noticed that you you'd said on um, on one of the one of your reels was about the Disney movies. Um, you know, you say that you you watch Disney movies when you're sad, and I don't know for 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 me, like I mean, I mean, my my wife, she she's still like a big massive Disney fan. You know, mm-hmm. um, it it didn't seem kind of too. I suppose it didn't seem like like a really abnormal thing to to do, do you know. Because I think people just try to find solace in things which bring them comfort. You know, yeah. it's, it's almost like a comfort blanket, isn't it? Really, you know, just them things that you know. I suppose Disney movies as well. Are, are, you know, which Disney movies is it? Let me. Do you have any I particular? Mean, uh, I do every single thing that I used to watch because I'm a I'm a repeat watcher. I love watching things over and over again. That's what brings me comfort because you already know it's going to happen, right? So uh, Mulan is a big one. Lion King, The Ice Age, which is not necessarily Disney, but it was still something I watched as a kid. Uh, Aladdin, Tarzan, all of those uh, 90s Disney movies were really great for me. But I just realized that it's not just the comfort. It's anything that's connected to my childhood. So I always tell people when you're, you know, when you're feeling lost and desperate, try to connect back to whatever you have that's linked to your childhood, either a meal that your mom used to make or a scent. I have, I have this thing with smell. And whenever I had a a headache as a kid, my mom would get like one of those Vic vapor rubs that smell like menthol, you know? Yeah, Yeah. And she would rub it on my chest and on my forehead. And Every time that I am feeling super stressed out and super nervous and I'm crying or whatever, all I have to do is grab a bucket of those menthol rubs and smell it. And I immediately calm down. So I think that for me, the most important part, just not going by going through therapy as well, was learning those safety triggers. It's the opposite of, you know, the the bad triggers, but they were immediate safety triggers, like a safety blanket that I could use whenever I was having a panic attack or or whatever it was going on. And the Disney movies fall in that category for sure. So, so when, when do you, um, talking like, you know, like triggers and things like that, when did, when do you remember your first, uh, kind of dealings with anxiety when when was the first time you kind of really became aware of it um middle school and high school it was the hardest probably the hardest time of my life I lived in a very small town a very religious town and in a third world country so you add everything like the lack of financial means my parents struggling financially 
going to a school where I didn't have any friends. It was really hard for me to, you know, I, I, I've always been a big nerd slash reader. So I would spend all of my lunch breaks reading alone in, in like the cat classroom. So I've struggled with that a lot. And it got worse and worse because I, the older I got, the more I wanted to break out of the mold of what was acceptable in my town. So it was a very Catholic town. I have always been an atheist, basically. So being a kid who was like constantly fighting and I went to a Catholic school. So constantly fighting everything that was like given to me and questioning and getting like uh, called out to the principal's office because I would start a, an argument with, cause you know, you're a teenager, you're in high school, you wanna start arguing with your teacher, no matter what it is. But I was being fed religious bullshit and I didn't believe in any of that. And they didn't, they would not let me fight it. So there were so many different ways that I started lashing out as a teenager. Um, they didn't like people with tattoos. I started getting tattoos. They didn't like people with piercings. I started putting piercings on my face. Uh, they thought that girls shouldn't wear certain types of clothes. I would wear those clothes. Uh, they were super, super against it. You having multiple boyfriends or, or hooking up with people without becoming turning it into a serious relationship. I started hooking up with a bunch of guys in high school. So it was it was it was a, a constant need to like lash out, break free of that mold or whatever. And that's when, you know, when you're constantly fighting and you're going through your teenage years like that, um, that's when I experienced the strongest anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, because no one talks about how difficult your teenage years actually are. And then it's it's like the most important part of your development and everyone looks at a teenager and they're they think you're being dramatic you know nothing of life you have no experiences uh we're not going to validate your opinion we're not going to validate your feelings and then you just see yourself completely lost alone and you want it to be over so there were so many points in my teenage years that i was just like what what am I doing this for? Like I have no one. My parents didn't understand. So it's it, it's such a typical teenage thought, but people don't stop to think about that. So many teenagers kill themselves because of that. They take their own lives because they feel like they have no one to reach out to. And and it's it's still seen, you know, like struggling with school. Oh, what do you have to worry about? You 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 know, I'm paying for your rent. You have meals on your table. You don't have a job. All you have to worry about is, is your school. But people don't understand that that's that's the world that we're limited to. And that's our life. So when nothing in our life is going, you know, according to plan or when we don't understand why things are happening, when we're stumbling through life and trying to learn how, you know, becoming an adult is going to feel like and you have zero support, that's that's the hardest time. So I had uh, I developed uh, anxiety migraines and they were so bad that I would like, I would throw up, I would have to leave school. Um, I would pass out. I, I, I had months and months of my life where I wouldn't talk to my parents because every time I approached them to that, like came to them with that situation of saying, I'm depressed. I, I hate my life. Things are really difficult. They would turn to me and be like, what do you mean you hate your life? You're 17. It doesn't make any sense. So I've always been a big advocate of teenage mental health. And that's something that I talk about all the time because they were the most difficult 
months, years of my life. So that's when I first encountered uh, the feeling of being like, I'm done. Life is not worth it. I have major anxiety, like, you know, blackouts and people don't listen to me. No one will help me. No one will offer me any any like advice. No one thinks that I'm being serious. No one thinks that I'm allowed to feel the way that I feel. So um, yeah, that's when I started getting really close with trying to figure out how to take care of myself because I felt like I had no support at school, no support at my house, no support with friends. And we were all going through the same things. So I think that's when I first experienced it for sure. Some really kind of complex feelings there, aren't they? Um, and I suppose to, like teenage years is such, it is really a, a really awkward time. Um, yeah. And like you said, I mean, I don't know what, what, what it's like over over in, in the US. I mean, I, I know in, in the UK, you know, the stats are they're not great around, you know, like teenage suicide and, yeah. you know, the help that youngsters get in schools and, you know, throughout teenage years, it's, 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 it's a little better than it was, but it's still like way, way off where it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, what's it like over in the US, is it? Well, I was born and raised in Brazil. Um, and oh, right, okay. I, I lit, that's why I said third world country. So I was raised in Brazil and it in the US, as far as I know, I've been here for seven years, seven years now. As far as I know, it's it's better than Brazil, but it's definitely still rough. I, I have a degree in early childhood education and I was a teacher for a really long time. So that's why it baffles me. We have everything we need to take care of kids. We have everything we need to listen to teenagers. We have all the the studies and all the the theoretical things that we need to offer them all that emotional support and we still don't. So I feel like everything about the school system in every place in the world, I think that there are a couple of countries, maybe Finland, they're doing great because they all they always do great at everything. But uh, most countries are still using grades as a method of you know, deciding if your kid is going to go through school well or not, they're still using numbers and they're, they still forget to consider that there are different types of intelligence, that kids are unique and every single kid is going to have, you know, a creative side and then a, a, a mathematical side and then they're not going to present intelligence in the same way but we keep putting them in that little box in the little mold and you have to listen and repeat, listen and repeat. And that's why I quit teaching actually, because I thought that I could make a difference. And it's really hard to break a system that has been the same for the past 50 years. So nothing has changed. If you ask your parents about, you know, their experience with school, it's still exactly the same as it was for you, as it was for me, and no matter what country they were raised in. So I feel like that's what makes me, I'm excited to be a mom. I really want to have children because of that aspect. I feel like I can, I want to do things differently and I feel like I have that power. So um, yeah, I think that the schools should, we should treat kids and teens and we are doing everything wrong, basically, in my humble opinion. And I wish that we had a power to, to change how we approach mental health, in general, like every single aspect of school is connected to kids' mental health. And school is such a draining, exhausting, depressive period of kids and teens' lives because of because it hasn't changed since 50 years ago. 
it is. I mean, my my eldest, he's he's sixteen now, so he's he's just doing his GCSEs at, in in the UK. Yeah, and he's you know you you know you said about everything's based on numbers, and and it just it infuriates me when the the start saying about oh, you're supposed to be at this grade or this grade. And if you don't yeah. get that grade, you won't be able to do this and do that. And I, you know, uh, I just keep saying to him, look, like, as long as you try, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. You know, and, and I could, I could sit there and I could tell him to go in his room. I want you to study every single night when you come home, but I yeah. kind of feel like as well, that's his decision. It's his future. If he wants to kind of try hard at him, he can try hard. I'm, I, I, I do push him to, to, you know, to, to kind of, to try his best. But I suppose, like you say, everybody's individual. What what his best might look like isn't probably what my best might look like or what my other children's best might look like. So everybody's kind of, like you say, everybody's individual. All kids are individual. And you've got to kind of see them for what they are and and what mm-hmm. little, what little, I mean, all my, all my four kids are all, they're all different, but in really unique ways you know I've got yeah. one that's like an artist one that's really good at sports he was really good at kind of his, his imagination's like fantastic one's really forward with his writing and everything so it's they're all different but they're all different in in really good ways you know yeah. I'd rather them just you know go through life and not have to worry about oh I need to have this grade to get a decent job because it's like you say it's been like that for years even when I was mm-hmm. at school and it, you know, I know people who came out of school with nothing who were on 70000 pound a year now, and it's yeah. just you know they came out with no GCSEs at all, but they've managed to get themselves in a in a decent job, you know, like building or construction or something like that, and and it's they've kind of climbed the ladder. So it, yeah, it's just too much emphasis put on yeah, that totally. really, and it does cause like a massive amount of stress for for kids, like anxiety and. You know, what if I don't do very well? I mean, he said a few times, what if what if I what if I fail and I can't get into college? And we just yeah. well, we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it, but don't don't worry about it too much. Yeah. And the world is changing so much as well. I feel like college is the last thing on people's minds nowadays. Ever since the pandemic happened, things are not the same. Like you said, I know a lot of friends who didn't go to college at all and have amazing jobs because they're just well-rounded human beings. And I think that that's what we should be focusing on when we're raising kids. Like, yeah, you got to teach them that this is how things are done and there's nothing we can do to change it right now. You have to go to school. You have to get reasonable grades. And why is it like that? Well, because it is. But I feel like as a teacher, what I tried to do so hard was to show them that the most important thing was for you to be well-rounded, was for you to be a good person, was for you to be capable of learning anything and accepting different information and uh, accepting things that you don't understand, that don't belong, and all of those things that were, you know, kids get out of school without knowing how to fill their taxes, without knowing how to vote, and, and all they know is how to repeat, you know, like math equations and things that don't even matter. They don't even know how to, like, plant something a tree or whatever I feel like we are just so lost in 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 raising children and teens and and talking about things like that so uh yeah and at growing I've always been a creative kid and I feel like creative kids are punished so harshly by this system 
If you have a, an artistic child, a musician, someone who likes to read, someone who likes to, you know, they, they have to listen their entire lives. Oh, you want to go into movies? Well, good luck. You're never going to make money with that. Oh, do you want to paint? Oh my gosh, you're done. You know, if you're not a doctor, if you're not a lawyer, if you're not a business person, you're, you're never going to get any emotional support whatsoever because they don't believe everyone consumes art 24 hours a day. We watch TV shows, we pay Netflix billions of dollars a year. We would be nothing without artists, without authors, without writers, without musicians. And yet they're the like least valued people in our society. And that makes me so angry. Yeah, it says. And it's such a creative talent. I, I kind of feel like, especially like, you know, musicians, session musicians, things like that, that, you know, you can't really find many nowadays. Like, yeah it, it, because a lot of them like you say at an early age they're told uh, you, you you don't want to do that that won't pay your bills that won't pay yeah. bills that won't put you know so unless you're really driven and you're willing to to go no I'm going to do whatever I can to mm-hmm. to get my way to that to that dream job um but if someone is a little bit more tentative and they don't want to take the leap then they'll get they'll they'll just go well at work in a shop or they'll go do something that they don't really want to do, but they know pays the bills. And yeah. And that's when kind of, you know, I, I, I did it for nearly 20 years working in like retail and supermarkets and things. And oh, I don't even know how I lasted 20 years, but now I've, I've stepped away, come out of, come out of work during the pandemic due to um, issues with my mental health and, but now I'm at university now. I'm following up um, on like sports because I coach. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like, God, why didn't I make this decision years ago? But I think it's because yeah. I'd I'd been. I suppose you get conditioned in the way of you need to get a job, pay the bills, da da da. You know, yeah. just fall yeah, into the. Survive. Yeah, yeah. You've just got, and- but you get get to almost kind of pushed into falling into the just a normal daily grind of life, you know, yeah. and not to kind of follow things which you really want to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. And also I feel like all of those warnings as, you know, so killing as they are, uh, they come from a place of concern. When you listen to your parents say, I want you to go to college, I need you to have a financial stability and I, I want you to be safe. Like, yeah, they're crushing your dreams. They're like destroying everything you want to do and believe in. And it's frustrating, but they are concerned for your for your safety and for your health because you can't go, you know, you can't live without having a supermarket job or a Starbucks job or whatever it is that you can find. You have to pay your bills. You have to pay rent. You have to buy food. Um, but I feel like um, I, I had like a place I was going with this. See, that's my ADHD brain. I start... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I start and then I get I lost I get lost in the middle. But uh, yeah, I was gonna say that I my dream as a kid as a teenager, from the experiences that I had, um, being a creative kid being non Catholic in a Catholic place was to li- leave my country. In my brain, I was like, I have to leave this place, I have to experience something new. Otherwise, I am never going to find my 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 my, my place in this world because I didn't feel like I belonged there because everything felt like it was against me and it was opposite to what I believed in and opposite to what I wanted. And I had this really deep belief that 
for you to grow as a person, you have to see the world outside of your little bubble, you know, going to a different country, meeting different people, speaking a diff different language. Um, and my dream, I, I became fluent in, in English at the age of 12. I'm self-taught. And my dream was that I needed to live in an English speaking country. And I grew up every single day saying to my parents, I'm going to move to the US. And every day I would hear, no, you're not. It's not doable. It's not going to happen. You're going to starve. They don't treat immigrants well. You're going to be seen as trash. You're going to get deported. It's not going to work, whatever. And it came to a point. I was 19 when I left my country. I was like, I'm done. I need to try. I started, I was working as a teacher. I saved all of my money and I moved to the US to be a nanny. And I lived with an American family for uh, four years. And I was a, like a live-in nanny. I was living inside of their house, taking care of their kids. And I managed to save enough money to go to college in America. And now here we are. I've been here ever since. Uh, but that would never have happened if I had listened to every single thing that people had been pushing in my brain every day. It's not going to happen. You're going to starve. You're not going to be well-received. It's not going to work. So sometimes I feel like we just have to listen to ourselves. And it's the most important thing that I learned during my you know, I'm, I'm an adult now, but I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I still like I'm in my mid 20s. Uh, but I think that the most important advice that I give. Uh, stories that I posted on my birthday that I'm doing the best I, that I can with what I've got. And that has to be enough. And I have to listen to myself more than anyone else, as much as I know that my family loves me, my friends love me and they want the best for me. But I am the only person in this world who knows what I want, what I need, how I feel and what am I willing to do to get there? And no matter what, you know, society comes from that, that pressure of the things that we are supposed to be doing at certain age that you're supposed to be married, that you're supposed to have kids, that you're supposed to have a, a really good job, that you're supposed to be making 90K a year by the age of 30, that you're supposed to buy a house. And all of those things are the things that keep us anxious, that keep us depressed, that you know make us, it, it makes it really hard for us to keep living every day. So I, I think it's gonna be a, a daily struggle. And I talk to so many people, you're gonna feel like this for the rest of your life. You're always gonna feel like you're not doing it going to feel like you could be better it's not it's because of outside sources it's not because of you it's not it's because the world is expecting different things and moving in a different way and we are different people with different feelings with different dreams wants and needs so i feel like this is never going to end we're always going to have a reason to feel depressed sad, sad and anxious the problem is what are we going to do about that internally how are you going to approach that how are you going to relate and and react to the world around you. You're a different person. You know what you want. You know, you know how you feel. We are we're all raised different. We had different experiences, different families. So I feel like it's more going back internally and being okay with yourself internally than because then it gets easier. Yeah, we're always gonna have a reason to worry. We're always anxious. We're always gonna be sad. But I have my own tools inside of myself to sit down and say, I am gonna be okay. And I'm doing the best that I can. And it's going to be fine. And it's okay to let those feelings come. And it's okay to have those moments of sheer panic and anxiety, as long as you know how to dial it down, take a deep breath, and restart 
and keep going. And we do that every day. I feel like now I just got so used to it. It's so mechanical that I'm used to it. Like I, I feel it. I know, oh, I'm getting a panic attack or, oh, I'm, I'm super anxious. And I, I learn how to voice it, feel it, understand why it's happening and deescalate it and then keep going with my day. So I feel like finding those tools for yourself is what I tell all my friends whenever they come to me to ask for advice. The, this is one of the most pra practical, important things I learned during therapy to deescalate my own feelings and to get out of that, you know, repetitive. It's, it's the thing that people say, you can't be in the past and you can't be in the, in the future. You have to be here now. What do you have now? What can you do with what you have? And you're doing the best you can. And, and just try to keep going day by day, one day at a time with that feeling, with those thoughts and just letting bad feelings come and go and just understand that you're just human and you're going to be fine. Some brilliant stuff. That is, uh, everything I, I said just, yeah, <laughs> really, really, really good to listen to. Um, one thing I, I wanted to ask you was, um, so you say you suffer from ADHD, is it? Is it ADD? Yes. Yeah. So I've, I've recently just found out that, uh, well, I've got, well, I'm waiting for uh, an ass assessment on a severity of my of, of ADHD. Mm -hmm. um, what, what sort of things do you, do you um, say, I've, I've done it now. I've, I've got halfway through a question and then forgot because now my mind's gone somewhere <laughs> else. I, just did say when you said earlier about, you know, you kind of start a question, I'm already kind of thinking two questions in front. So, yeah. Um, so what sort of traits or what sort of things do you find, um, happens with your ADHD throughout the day? How does it affect you? Um, it's in so many ways. Um, there are little quirks that people might think, oh, it's annoying or it's silly, but it's not really quirky at all. It's just my brain having a little, you know, short circuit during the day, but I lose things so easily. I could be holding my phone right now and put it somewhere and completely forget where I put it in the spam of 15 seconds. And I could be, you know, that thing that people say like, oh, you're going into a room and you forget immediately why you were there. That's normal for most people, but for people with that hyperactivity that I have, not only the fact that I talk super fast, that I can't be standing still for too long. Um, the fact that my brain never shuts down, never. I'm constantly thinking about 37 things at the same time. Um, that's why people, you know, see me on Instagram and they're like, wow, you do so much. And it's like, I, it's not a choice. I can't physically stop myself from doing and having to put myself in a place to, I have to force myself to rest. That's how, how bad it is. Because if I'm not actively doing five, I'm really great at multitasking, which is an awesome skill to have when you have a job, when you have a, an Instagram page, when you have whatever, like I have my discord server with my girls, like it's, it's a great skill to have, but people don't realize how draining it is and how difficult it is for someone with this level of hyperactivity to take a step back, take a breather, relax and turn off my phone is something that's really hard for me to do. So I got affected in very different ways during the day. But like I told you, it was, we learn how to deal with it and you learn how to use different tools and getting diagnosed plus therapy is what changed my life. Like, yeah, I have it. I, but now I understand my quirks. I understand when it happens, how it happens and why it happens. And I understand how, how to help myself deescalate 
and, and keep going with my day in a way that affects my day as least as possible. It still does. Like I have, I lose things all the time. It's really hard for me to keep myself organized, but I still try. Um, I forget things when I'm saying in the middle of the sentence. And you would think that reading people with, with ADHD say like, it's really hard for me to read. I don't know how to read. It's, I can't, I get lost in the middle of the first paragraph and I have to go back and keep rereading, rereading. So I had to find tools to do all of those things. When I'm reading, there are two uh, um, different types of people when they read. And I learned that ADHD people need to do active reading. And that's why I created my Instagram account. So people who don't have that level of hyper, uh, hyperactivity and can read and calm down and just relax on the couch for four hours straight without losing their train of thought, they can, it's called passive reading. They can sit down, turn the pages and enjoy the story. But people that are super hyperactive like me, we have to do active reading. So my therapist taught me how to pick up a book and talk to the book. So I'm reading the story, not to absorb it, but to react to it. And I decided that since I'm reacting to the stories, maybe I should post that online. And then people started following me because they were like, oh, that's hilarious. You're reacting to quotes. You're reacting to romance books. You're reacting to cringy sex scenes in romance books. You're reacting to cringy dialogues. And then I became a book reviewer because that was my tool to be able to finish a whole book without letting ADHD affect me was by reacting to every single sentence. So I don't have to read out loud to myself anymore. I did have to do that for a little bit. Um, there were other tools that I found. I uh, act the dialogues. Sometimes that really, really helps when I can't keep my, like acting the dialogues was great. Reacting to every sentence and the annotating books. Annotating books for an ADHD person is also amazing because you have a, a task to focus on. It's not just read the book. You're actively working with the material that was given to you. It's still a fun read. It's a fictional read. It's a romance novel. You're still enjoying like a movie. But as an ADHD person, you need something more than just reading passively. And then I found Audible. And that's when Audible came into play. I've always been a podcast listener as well. But Audible gave me the ability to listen to a book in two speed. And the two speed for me changed my life. I could never listen to an audiobook in one speed. So all those little things, like we do have tools around us to help us live with it and make sure that we still enjoy things like other people enjoy. So um, that was that was the and then that's how my Instagram came to life. Now my Instagram is just another tool for me to be able to, because I've always been a reader, but I just didn't realize that I struggled with school because of that as well. Reading, of course, reading a fiction book or a fantasy book that you enjoy for pleasure versus reading a school book is very different, a school book that you have to read. Um, but I've always struggled with school. My grades were always awful. Um, and people would look at me and be like, wow, why are you doing... It doesn't make any sense. You read 120 books a year and, and you, you fail geography, you failed history, you're really bad at math. People would look at me like I was this like monster, like snake with three heads and didn't understand. And I was like, well, it, it, it is. I didn't know either. I didn't have that access. We didn't have people who understood, of you know, ADHD kids and, and hyperactive kids in school are always just forgotten 
you know, we are either seen as lazy or as dumb or as slow. And, and it's not, it, you just have to learn how to poke and understand the, the ways that that brain works. And I, I was finally able to be diagnosed and understand that my brain works differently and it's okay. And it's real, it's great. It's amazing because it gives me so many different ways to, to talk about things and to review things. And people sometimes comment on my reviews. They're like, how do you remember all of that? How are you so specific with your reviews? And your reviews are hilarious. And you're so great at pinpointing everything that went wrong with the manuscript and everything. And it's because I just learned how to, how to deal with what I, with the cards that I've been dealt. And that was the best part about and of course, I can attribute that to therapy always. So, I mean, um, you know, when you when you read, because I, I don't know if, if, if you have, when you read, do you find yourself getting really absorbed into the book? Oh, yeah, I get completely lost. And also, I think that the fact that I speak two languages, um, I can completely block out people talking to me. I can read in a loud place. I can read with music in the background. I can read with a movie in the background. Um, it's just totally doable. But yeah, <laughs> I get my my yeah. My therapist tells me that she calls she calls me. What is the word that she uses? Because my therapist speaks Portuguese, and we have our therapy sessions in my first language. But it's sort of like a, a, a high sensitivity. And she says only people with high sensitivity can get completely lost in a book. You know, when you talk to people who read and then you talk to people who don't read and you ask them like, but don't you imagine like the pages that you're reading like a movie? And people are like, no, how do you do that? And it's like, don't you see like the things that are happening in the book in your head? And they're like, no, I'm just reading like that's boring. So we, we have the reading world completely divided by the people who are have really high sensitivity and can get completely lost in the story. And, and some people go as far as like hearing the sounds that they're reading and seeing colors and, you know, smelling things when it's happening. And then you have the other people who are more, you know, um, focused on, on what they can hear and see the, the exact sciences and not the creative sciences. So, um, I have my little world there with my bookstagram and the people who follow me and the girls on my discord and we get along together so well because we are that group of people. We are those kids who grew up being, you know, struggling with school, being extremely creative children, kids who had no support. Um, people didn't understand them. They didn't make friends easily because all of us have these, the same little quirks. And that's why bookstagram is so amazing because we're just, we found each other. We found each other on online out of all of the places. And we were like, oh, so that's why. That's why I felt for the longest that I didn't belong anywhere. That's why I thought it was so hard for me to make friends. That's why I like couldn't find a person who would understand what I was going through. It's because we never had that support. You know, if, if we had that support offered during school years or at, at home or whatever, we could easily get a support group, I think, you know, like this is what we are. We're a support group of people who read, of people who write, of people who are creative and didn't have those tools growing up. So you get support groups for people who struggle with addiction. You get support groups for people who, you know, want to do better at math class, but you never got those groups for people who were just creative and free and, and musicians and 
and readers and writers. So it was always really difficult. And funny enough, those are the only two um, subjects at school that I was good at. It was English and Portuguese, my, my native language, and then another language because they were so, they were fully connected to all the arts because you need language for the arts. So for books, for music, for, I, I'm a huge gamer. Playing video games has also saved my life millions of times because it's the idea that a healthy ADHD brain, because there is such a thing, you can be healthy with ADHD. It's a brain that can use all the power that I have going in there and all the hyperactivity that I have flowing in my brain. Multitasking in video games is amazing. You find a multitask game, a game that you have to do multiple things, click multiple buttons. That's such a healthy outlet that people don't think about. People look at video gamers or, or gamers are like, you're just lazy. You're socially inept. You're a person, you know, like <laughs> I've always been an, not antisocial, but not also not super extroverted. People see me on Instagram posting all the time. They're like, oh, she's extroverted. No, I'm not. I'm like an ambivert completely. Like I, I, I hate going out. I hate clubbing. I hate it. It's, I have really, really deep social anxiety. I don't like talking to people face to face. It's really hard for me to open up to people just because I found a comfortable niche on Instagram where I can say things, you know, doesn't mean that I am still there. And this is what we all are. That's why I said it's still a community that works. And it's such an amazing community, because I feel like all of us are like that. We're the shy kids who like to read during recess and didn't have many friends. And then now we found each other and we're here. It's amazing. I'd say it's, the thing is, like, those, like, like you said, they are, they are really just like support groups. Yeah. And like you say, I mean, we have quite a, a few different support groups over here for like losing weight and for mental health. And, but like you said, there's not, there's not really anything where it's kind of just like, Look, we just we're just creative. We just want to hang out. We just want to, you know, we just want to. Mm-hmm. We we have the same. I suppose it's people very much. You have to kind of be in a certain group. Do you know what I mean? You can't. It, yeah. It's like, oh, you have to be in this group. If you're if you're like that, you have to be in that group. If you're like that, you yeah. have to be in that group. You can't. You know, mm-hmm. just because you like reading, or you know, but. You can't, you, you say it's such a say society. What is it like? Um, so I think I say most of the stuff you mentioned just just been it's been amazing. It's been amazing to 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 listen to and to to kind of absorb in as well. It's for you know for for someone who's obviously you've 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 been through things. But the way that you talk about it as well, I find quite inspiring in the way that you talk about, you know, you're, you're doing hard work in recognising what's going on with your triggers, where for your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the way that you understand and you're almost quite accepting of the ADHD as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it is really inspiring. So Thank you. Say, it, it really, really is. So to, to finish on, if um if I was to ask you what one piece of advice would you give to anybody out there who's maybe listening to this and he's thinking, God, that's me. You know, this you know, I'm going through the same things. What would be a one little little nugget of advice for them? 
Um, and I think that's what you just said is very interesting that when the reason that I talk about things online is so people can hear me and say, God, that's me. That's, I do that too. Or I go through that too. And I feel like that feeling of not being on an island and not hiding yourself from that because you are going to find someone who's going through the same thing that you're going through. And I know how difficult it is to make friends and to put yourself out there and to look for support and to admit that you need help and to admit that you're not doing well is really difficult, but that's, that's what we have to do for ourselves. So other than what I tell people every day to look, to forgive yourself, it's really hard for me to forgive myself. I am so hard on myself that I'm not doing enough, that I should be doing more, that I should be better, that I should be skinnier, that I should be uh, richer, that like all of those things that we keep telling ourselves all the time that we're never enough. And I don't know if it's a society thing, if it's a internal thing, if, if everyone goes through that or not, but just to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm doing the best I can with what I've got. And that's got to be enough. If it's not enough, I'll make it enough because we deserve that. And you have to make sure that you remind yourself that you deserve peace. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to feel safe and calm. And you just have to turn back to yourself and learn, like I said, your, your safety triggers and learn what you have to do to make yourself feel better. If you find out that working out works for you, please do it as much as you can. If you find out that watching Disney movies work for you, please do it as much as you can. But also the most important thing for me was creating a community. I grew up thinking that I just didn't have any friends because I was a shy kid, because I was different. And because that's, that's, that's it. I'm going to live and die without a group of girlfriends. I've seen so many people, my extroverted friends who liked go clubbing, you know, they went clubbing all the time. They always went clubbing with the same 15, 20 people. And I didn't see myself sitting down to read at a bookstore with 15 to 20 people. And now I have a 16,000 people community who are actually the same people, like the same things that I do and read the same books that I read. So it was just the fact that I was brave enough to open myself up to the world and be like, here I am. I'm not going to apologize for, for the things that I like, for the way that I am, for you know the, the things that I enjoy doing. Are you with me or are you not with me? So finding that community was the best thing. So I always tell people, just open up. You never know the person who's going to reach out to you and be like, I feel exactly the same way. You never know like the person who's going to, and, and honestly, the internet, the internet is the only place I feel like you can do that nowadays. Are you going to get people, you know, are you going to get harassed? Are you going to get people who don't understand? Are you going to get people who are going to make fun of you? Yes. You're always going to get there no matter where you are. Um, but just life is so absurdly short. We think it's long, but it's not. So if you're going to spend the rest, the rest of your days hiding yourself, being scared to reach out to people, being scared to, to ask for help, being scared to admit to things that you enjoy or the things you struggle with, uh, it's not worth it. So I think finding strength in yourself to be vulnerable so other people can find that too. And maybe you're gonna be able to make your own community or to join a community that like the same things that you do. And you're not gonna feel as lonely anymore. Cause I feel like the thing for us is we all feel so fucking lonely all the time no matter how many people we have in our lives, no matter if we have a job, a family, like it's really easy for you to feel lonely and lost. So just reach out, 
tell yourself you're doing the best you can and be really kind to yourself because we are all on the same boat. Julia, that's brilliant. Honestly, that is such a nice way to 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 end the podcast. I, I say, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. I say, for taking time out of your day um, to come on and talk today. I say, really, really inspiring stuff. But I say, thank you, thank you so much. Absolutely, say, thank, you, thank you for having me. I'm excited to share this with the girls because I know that my girls are going to love listening to this. <laughs> Brilliant. But no, I say thank you so much anyway, yet again. And for everybody else, I'll see you on the next podcast.